Welcome to today's podcast episode. All right, August 3rd, it's coming up. It is the very first time that I will be launching a virtual conference. Now, last year we were able to do it live, but this year's been, you know, 2020, a little bit different. And I was in the 2019 folder, kind of just going over some of the things that were really good about last year's event and uh, just making sure that I can make sure everything's ready to go for this event that's going to happen coming up. And I came across Julie Stoyan's presentation. And as I was listening to it, there were things that I missed last year. And I don't know if it was because it was live. So I was moving around trying to get things set up, trying to, you know, all the things that can happen during a live event. And so this time, as I sat in the silence and just listen to her words, it struck me to the core. And I knew I had to share her story with you, her presentation with you. Julie has a way with words that will move you. She knows how to ask questions. She knows how to get you thinking in a way you've probably never thought before. So we're going to dive in to Julie Stoyan's amazing presentation from last year. And then stay tuned to the end because I'm going to go over the top 10 takeaways. So here we go. Hey, hey, you are listening to the Because I Can Life podcast, where we believe we can decide our own income, choose happiness, kick fear in the teeth, and never, ever stop. Why? Because we can. I'm your host, Allison J. Prince, and I went from being a junior high science teacher to building four online multi-million dollar businesses with four kids at my feet. Each week, I'm bringing you real conversations that have led me, as well as other experts, to step into our dream online business lifestyle so that you can get the answers you need to craft your Because I Can Life as well. Take that first step and commit now to your Because I Can Life by downloading your free personal bundle at allisonjprince.com forward slash bundle. I'm from Connecticut, so it was a bit of a journey for me. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm in Salt Lake. And then we got in the Uber. I was with Yada and I was like, all right, here's where we're going. And we drove forever. And at one point I looked at the Uber driver and I'm like, are you going to take us into the woods and kill us? Because like, where are we going? Uh, but I knew Allison would just like blow our minds. So this is amazing. So I just want to thank Allison for letting me be on her stage and be with her tribe and her people. You guys are amazing. So I am going to tell you a story today and I hope that this story gives you belief. I want everyone in their seats today to not walk out of this room without believing, without a shadow of a doubt, that they can be whatever they want to be, they can do whatever they want to do, and they have all that they need inside of themselves to reach their goals. How many of you feel like in business, you're sort of making it up as you go? Really? Only half of you? I have really good news for you. That's actually how it works. <laughs> and it's really good news because the more I got to know people in business, people that I really admired, I realized they were making it up as they went too. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, so that's what we do. We, we make it up as we go. We don't feel equipped. We don't necessarily feel like we have a plan and that's actually normal. So that was really encouraging to me. 
So Allison asked me to speak this morning on the skills or the things that we need to be successful. And I thought about that for a long time as I was brainstorming what I was going to talk to you about. And I thought, you know, I could get really techie up here. But the truth of the matter is that the skills and the things that you need to be successful or the things that I see in all the successful business owners that I work with and that I ask advice of aren't actually really techie skills. So I want to go into those for you this morning. So a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm going to tell you a story, and it's a really hard story to tell. So I apologize in advance if I get squishy. And I also apologize if I pass out on stage because I live at sea level, and this is hard, y'all. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I'm like out of breath, and I'm nervous, and I'm a mile high in the sky. So, all right. How many of you are moms? Oh, yeah. All right. Awesome. Almost the entire room. Okay, so my story started all the way back at the very young age of 21. I grew up in a, a small, conservative Christian community. And in that community, I was, I was the girl who did everything right, right? I got the good grades. I worked in my youth group. I was a singer in my band at church. I met um, a man named Andrew at the age of 16 years old, and we started dating. And we did everything right. And in that community, in that culture, um, you didn't have sex until you got married. And you got married as soon as possible <laughs> because you couldn't have sex. <laughs> and, um, and then the moms, like the women, had children and raised their babies. So I was a good Christian girl. And I was like, all right. So we dated for four years. It was a long four years. And we got married. He was 19. I was 21. The identity that I was wearing at the time, in, at that time in my life, was I am a Christian mom. The problem was that I was all these other things, too, that I was really ashamed of. I had three babies very quickly in three years. So I had a baby at 22, another one at 24, another one at 26. The child that was born at 26 almost died. She had a very significant heart defect called transposition of the great arteries. And so I remember being in the hospital and my three-year-old was at home, my one-and-a-half-year-old was at home, my newborn was in the hospital hooked up to all these machines. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't sign up for this. Like, this is insane. I'm 26 years old, I've got a baby on the hospital bed, I got two little kids at home, you know, not both of them in diapers, but I'm a Christian mom and this is what I do. I fell into a very, very dark depression. It was probably postpartum. It was postpartum depression at the time. And I had all of this ambition lying underneath the surface. I wanted to work. I wanted to work so bad, you guys. I remember talking to my sister and my mom. I'm like, I could go do this and I could go do that. And every time I talked about it, it was always, but you need to stay home with your babies. Julie, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to damage them if you go to work. And I remember I got a job offer, like I would like apply for jobs online and then I'd get the offer and then I'd be like, maybe, do I have the courage to do it? And then I would say no. And I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. And I lived in this shame cycle of being the Christian mom and having ambition and having a brain. And I remember I'd go to church and I'd question things and I'd read the Bible and I'd be like, but didn't God make me with this brain? Like, why are you guys telling me that I'm not okay. And I remember struggling with that identity so much all throughout my 20s. And so as kids do, they, they grew up and I started writing. I started blogging as a way, as an outlet. Cause I was like, I was losing my mind. You guys, 
I will testify to this day that staying home with children is the hardest job in the world. It is 8,000 times easier to stand on this stage than it is to stay home with kids. Yeah, I knew that this crowd would feel me on that. And so my kids started to grow. I started to blog, like blog my way out of depression. And (laughs) I remember when Eden, she was five, and it was finally time for Eden to go to kindergarten. And I was so excited. I was like, ah, all my kids are in school all day long. Now I, now, now I can have a career. And of course I panicked because I didn't know what I was gonna do And I was writing at the time. And I thought, you know what? I'll just, I'll be a writer. That's what I'll do. I'll be a writer. But still I had the wrong identity. And it wasn't that being a Christian was the wrong identity. It was just that the identity that I was wearing at the time was not allowing me to bring all these other pieces into my personhood at the same time. Like, I couldn't figure out that I could be a Christian, and I could be a mom, and I could want to be a business person, and that was all okay. Like, I was really struggling with that. And so instead of learning how to integrate those feelings and living with them all, I made the very poor decision of deciding that I had to erase one and pick up a new one. And... So at the age of 30, I was really looking for someone to help me get out of the life that I was in. So I met, and this is all just sort of like coincidental, except I don't think it's coincidental because I believe that God does everything for a reason. At age 30, I met, well, I reunited with my biological father. So I was adopted, and I had never really known my biological father And I felt like at the time he came in riding on a horse. Do you know what I mean? Like we were broke at the time. We had no money. You know, I didn't have any like way out for like a career and a job. And he came onto the scene and he was an entrepreneur. He had money. He was a businessman, a family man. And all of a sudden I saw, oh my gosh, here's my chance. Like I can like get myself out from under this and I can go and like reunite with my father. And somehow I thought that maybe he'd have an identity that I could put on that would allow me to become the person that I knew that I could be. So my father was really charismatic and he started taking care of my family. He started like giving me ideas about businesses that I could do. And I remember the whole inside of me lit up and I was like, see, like, this is my genetic heritage. I'm an entrepreneur too. And he was like, I'll help you. I'll like help pay for things. And this was like the best like answer to prayer that I thought I needed. And so the reunion kind of like kept going. And after several months, I started to notice some things that weren't right about him, but I wanted to ignore it because I couldn't imagine that like this wasn't my way out to becoming the person that I wanted to be. And so I ignored all the red flags that my intuition told me. And I just want to stop right here and say that one of the skills that you're going to need to be successful in business is you have to listen to your gut. And I talk oftentimes when I'm in brainstorming with the team, and we talk about different hats that we wear when we're brainstorming. You know, there's the part of us that's really analytical. There's the part of us that's really positive. There's the part of us that's really, like, negative. We look for the holes in things. And then there's a part of us that's the emotional. The red hat is what we call it. It's our gut check. Make sure you make room in your business, in your personal life, 
to give honor to your gut check. And honestly, guys, I'm going to stand here today and tell you, I haven't figured this one out yet. This is a bad pattern for me because I'll have gut checks and then I'll ignore them. So I had a gut check and I ignored it and I ignored it and I ignored it. And I remember I went on a vacation with my father and we were going to Hawaii and we were going to see my brother. I had a half brother. Like I had this whole family that I had never met before. And I was so excited and I went to there to meet my brother and his new baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is new, my new family. Like this is the lost piece of me. And I remember being at the ocean's shore with him. And he said, Julie, I have to tell you something. I was like, oh, okay. Like, what is it? I thought he was going to tell me something about my mom or about my birth or something like that. And he's like, well, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I was like, oh, okay. And he said, but I wrote about it. And I, I wrote it in an email. Let me, let me get my phone and I'll show you. And I was like, all right, cool. So he hands me the phone. And I remember as clear as day, leaning over the phone, my hair had fallen in front of my face. And I looked at the phone and it said, dear Julie, ever since reuniting with you, all I can think about is I want to kiss you. And I didn't know what to do. I was panic stricken, but at the same time, I had just reunited with this father that I was like, this is going to be my way out. This is going to be my identity. This is like, it was like, ah, and then it was like, all of a sudden, I was faced with something that was clashing with my gut, with my morals, with right and wrong, with everything, and I was going to have to let him down. And so in that moment, I remember I put the phone down. I was like, I can't talk about this right now. He's like, Okay. And I went home, I went back to the hotel room and I wrote a note and I was like, no, 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 we can't, no, 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 no. And I handed him the note and I ran because I was so scared. He got so drunk that night and I knew that I had caused that. And so what proceeded to happen in the next six months as he continually pushed and pushed and pushed, I fell into a psychologically and sexually abusive relationship with my biological father because I was so desperate to trust somebody else for an identity that I gave up everything that I knew to be true about myself because I thought he had the answer. It was the darkest, most terrible time in my whole life. I became suicidal. I became depressed. I lost all sense of myself until finally one day, and I'm not going to get into it because it's dark and really gnarly, I had a moment of snapping back to my own intuition, and I said, I'm done. I am done. Like, I am done looking for other people to tell me who I am and what I'm meant to become. And I got myself out of that relationship. That was the single hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life untangling myself from an abusive relationship and being able to come to terms with the fact that the father that I lost as a child, that I got back as an adult, I had to say goodbye to again. And so that all happened. And what I was left with was a broken marriage. My identity was shattered. And the person that I thought was going to rescue me had become my aggressor. I had no identity left that I knew what to do with. And so I began the journey of piecing together who I was going to become. You know, as you can imagine, with that kind of trauma, my marriage fell apart. I ended up divorced. So now I was, with, I was divorced. I had three children. I was kicked out of my church. 
I lost all my friends. And I did what any hurting, stressed out mom would do. I looked at my life and I said, I have got to figure out how I can be in charge of my financial future, of my destiny, of who I'm meant to become. So, and guys, I made so many mistakes along the way, so many mistakes. So what I did is I took my writing gig and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. I've got no health insurance. I made a really poor decision with Tinder and I ended up pregnant. So now I was three kids, pregnant, divorced, no insurance, no job, no way out, no support. It was just like, it was crazy. And so I launched myself into, I'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps, I'm gonna get it together, and I'm gonna figure out how to do this myself. And this was the beginning of the next piece of the identity that I needed. And you know, it's really funny, I think a lot of us think that the way we're supposed to learn things is supposed to be a certain order. But when we're in that sort of pit and we're in that trauma, the only thing that I could think of at the time was I have to figure out how to make money, right? I couldn't worry about my psychological needs or any of those other needs. Like I just had to figure out how to make money. And I stumbled upon work by Russell Brunson. How many of you know who Russell Brunson is? Okay. I stumbled upon his work and I started reading his books. I read Dotcom Secrets. I read Expert Secrets. No, I hadn't read that. It was, he hadn't written it. I read Dotcom Secrets. <laughs> and I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to understand. I had this moment of like, if I can learn the skills of teaching people how to buy and to buy, and I do it on the internet where all commerce is moving, right? We know all commerce, all advertising, all communication, all entertainment, everything is moving on the web. If I can dedicate myself to learning how to get people to buy stuff online, I will never have to worry about my financial future again. And so I would argue for all of you sitting here, if you're not sure what you have to invest in in your business, the marketing skills to sell your products, to gather people around you to build a loyal customer base, to build a tribe, to learn how to sell. Those are the skills that you can stick in your pocket and you can carry with you no matter what kind of business you build. And so what kind of skills am I actually talking about? So these are the skills that I learned. Number one, I learned how to write. And all of you should take some time to learn how to write. There's so many free resources out there. There are some paid resources. Or if you absolutely can't stand to write, hire a writer and put them on your team. Because the written word, whether you're writing it for your ads, whether you're writing it for your product copy, whether you're writing it in your funnels, the words that you use are the single most important piece of your brand out of anything. It is way more important than design. And I was a naturally a good writer, so as I started to learn, I realized writing, that was the thing. And not just writing, but learning how to write good stories and write good hooks. How many of you kind of know what I mean when I say hooks? Yeah, okay. So a hook is basically, if you think about it in fishing, it's the thing that hangs off the end of a, a pole, and it has the bait on it. 
and it yanks the fish, right? So when the fish is swimming in this direction and the hook comes in, what does it do? It pulls them in, in another direction. And so with your writing, with your businesses, hook and story and copy are the single greatest skill that you could invest in to make your business blow up. The second skill that I learned, and I think, I don't know if Allison has talked about this. I think she has, is sales funnels. How many of you know what sales funnels are? Okay, half of you. All right, so sales funnels is just a really fancy way of saying website pages that go in chronological order. With a website, you have a brochure, right? You have a Shopify store, you have a brochure. People come to your site and they see all that you offer and then they can decide. And that's awesome. But funnels are the way that you capture a new customer. So imagine for a second, you have your Shopify store over here, right? And this is the store, and you have maybe 100 people that already know about your store, and they come back, and they buy, and they kind of know what they want. We call that warm traffic. We call that hot traffic. These are people who know and like and trust your brand and your products, and they just come back to Shopify, and they buy, and they buy, and they buy. But then we take a new customer over here. We'll name him Stanley. And Stanley has no idea who you are. He doesn't trust you. He doesn't like you. He doesn't have any vested interest in your products. He just has a problem, right? He just has a problem. I need to solve this problem, whatever that problem may be. Let's say you sell toothbrushes. I have dirty teeth, right? He, he just has a problem. A sales funnel meets someone where they're at, meets someone at the point at which they have a problem, offers them the solution that they need, and when they say yes to that solution, a toothbrush, the sales funnel offers him the next few things that we know he's going to need when he buys a toothbrush, right? Toothpaste, floss, mouthwash, a toothbrush of the month club, right? That's what a sales funnel does. Now, once Stanley goes through that funnel and he buys the toothpaste and the toothbrush and the mouthwash and he goes through that funnel, now he's got all these products and he's like, wow, I really like that Allison Prince. She makes great toothbrushes, right? I think I want some more. Now what does he do? Now he goes over to the store because now he's warm and now he's hot. Now he understands the brand. And now he goes to Shopify and he buys all his stuff and everything's good. And obviously I'm telling the context of funnels in, in the context of e-commerce because I know that's is what you guys do. But that's what sales funnels do. Sales funnels are your pioneers that go out into the internet, find the people that will be interested, warm them up with a really good product that meets them where they're at, so that from then on, you can take them and you can send them back to your Shopify store again and again and again to continue to buy. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. You've got to learn that skill. <laughs> it is like your own personal ATM machine. So copywriting, hooks and stories, Funnels. The third thing you need to understand is traffic. Traffic is people. Understanding how to find the congregations of people that have problems that you can solve. So if you sell toothbrushes, you're looking for basically anybody who has dirty teeth. For some of you, your, your pockets of people are going to be really, really big, right? If you sell you know, potty training book and like potty or whatever, like everyone in America needs that if they're a parent. If you're selling, you know, 
I don't know, premium like wine racks, well, you're going to have a smaller audience, but you need to be able to go find where those audiences are. So that's through three things in traffic that I think you should really focus on. One is ads, advertising, specifically Facebook and Instagram advertising, where most of you will advertise. Number two, understanding how to work with the blogging scene whether you are a blogger writing and trying to rank for keywords or whether you're working with bloggers who are going to promote your products. And three, organic social media. How do you present yourself? How do you own the platform you're on? Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest. Those would be, you know, the ones that I would, you know, and for everybody, I, I recommend that you focus on one and then grow. So that's what I did. In the depths of my despair... And of my brokenness and my depression and anxiety, I started learning these skills. And I just like, I went all in. And I grew my business very, very quickly and accumulated these skills. And I, for the first time in my entire life, felt like I finally had the keys to the financial freedom that I needed that I no longer had to depend on anybody else because no matter what happened, no matter how many products fail, no, ma no matter how many launches go south, I have the keys to the kingdom because I have the skills in my pocket to be able to launch anything that I want to launch. And that was huge. That was very empowering for me. So in 2014, I made 23,000. In 2015, I made 70,000. In 2016, I made 325,000. 2017, I made 1.3 million. And it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. So once I got that under, you know, in my belt, I hit another identity block for me. And this is where I figured out that it's not so much about erasing one identity and like putting another one on. It's about custom creating the one that's right for you. And so now I had the skills. So because I can leverage the skills I have for financial freedom. The next thing that I realized I needed happened in early 2017. My business was growing. I had just made 325 grand. I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. In 2017, I was in Russell's world. Like I knew about Russell Brunson. He launched this contest. It was an affiliate contest for his new book, Expert Secrets. And how many of you know that the internet marketing scene is like 99% men and 1% women? Yeah. So I was like, I got this. So I started to promote. And I remember the first day the leaderboard came out and it was the top 10 and there was all these prizes and nobody knew who I was. I was just like running my own thing over here on the side. And my name, I was the only female on the list at that point in the contest. And I was number six. Now, I didn't know Russell at the time, but he said over at the ClickFunnels office, they were like, who the heck is Julie Stoyan? Sto Stoyan? Like, who is she? Stoyan, by the way. <sighs> I was so excited. I was like, all right, I'm in it. And I remember I hit a block because no matter how much passion I had, no matter how many skills I had, I was up against Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Walker, who's like product launch formula, Grant Cardone. I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money I throw in ads. And that's when I began to adopt the identity that I am capable of forging powerful, strategic relationships with other business owners that are going to help me get farther faster.
And I struggled with this, you guys, because I was kicked out of my church. I lost my friends. I lost my father. And I carried around with me this idea that I was not cool enough. I wasn't whatever enough that I had to be to have the strategic friends that I needed to get the job done. And in that moment, I started reaching out to people that I was terrified to reach out to, bigger influencers and leaders. And I was like, hey guys, I'm running this contest. I'm the only female. And I really, I was like, you know, I'm just going to like lean into the fact that I'm a female and that there's a lot of people here that are, that are not females <laughs> and that the, the internet marketing scene is dominated with men. And I all of a sudden started to rally the troops and I got all these other influencers to promote the contest using my affiliate link. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't give them anything. It was just like, help me. <laughs> but I asked, you guys, I asked. I was really mad at Russell Brunson during that contest. This is actually how we met. Because, and he knows this story because I've told it a million times. I wasn't happy with the way he was running the contest because he was changing the rules a lot. <laughs> It was like the Hunger Games, you guys. It was like, there was so much drama. Oh, it's terrible. And um, turns out it wasn't, it was Dave that was running the affiliate contest. And so one night I was so mad and I got on Facebook, you know, like Kermit the Frog on the computer. And I'm like writing this post about how I think he's not doing, he's not playing fair and I'm going to lose this contest because he keeps changing the rules. Well, the post kind of went mini viral and it wasn't, it was kind of a, a little bit of a scathing post about Russell. 700 comments later, <laughs> Russell shows up on the thread and I'm like, oh. <laughs> He's like, hey, why, why are you saying all of this? And I was just like, oh, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool. And uh, anyway, Russell agreed to do a book interview with me on that thread because I was mad. He was unwilling to do a book interview with me because I wasn't like popular enough. Even though I was in the top 10 the entire time, he had done an interview with everybody else. And I was like, you need to do an interview with me. He's like, okay. Anyway, we became fast friends. He graciously like understood that I was under high pressure and he was like, gave me the benefit of the doubt. He's like, you're probably not as mad as you seem on this thread. <laughs> anyway, and I was like, thank you. And then we had a book interview and it was awesome. And like, I got to know him and we became fast friends and it was, it was really cool. I ended up placing fourth in that contest. Yeah. I beat Tony Robbins, you guys. It was so fun. <laughs> and that's when I realized that it wasn't just enough to have the skills. I also had to have the alliance. I had to have the network. I joined Russell Brunson's inner circle a few months later. Guys, I paid $25,000. Like, the entire amount of money that I made in 2014, I paid him to join his inner circle. I was so sweaty as I was walking to the bank to make that bank transfer. I was like, this is crazy. And I got to the bank, and I was like, but no, I know that relationships matter. I know that mentorship matters. I saw it with my own eyes. I'm like, and I get to the bank, and I'm in my yoga pants, and I don't look like someone who's about to spend $25,000. I'm pretty sure I had a kid or two on my hip. And I went up to the counter. I'm like, I need to wire 25 grand. She's like, all right, hold on. She goes and gets her supervisor. She goes into my account. Well, she sees that my account has a lot of money in it because I had been making a lot of money. And um, she, I could tell she wants to ask so bad, like, what do you do? <laughs> ah, the life of working behind our laptop when we don't have to get dressed, right? 
But she didn't ask me that. But she did say, who is Stripe? <laughs> I was like, oh, Stripe? Yeah, Stripe is like my merchant that like gives me money. She's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Anyway, so I wired the $25,000. And by the way, whenever you're about to make a big purchase, if you wait to feel cool about making a big purchase, you'll never make a big purchase. Because like I sweat so bad that entire time. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe it. But I did it. And I joined Russell's Inner Circle. And the first person that I met when I joined Inner Circle was Allison Prince. Yeah. Where I am today, because guys, I wish that I could be up here right now and be like, hey, so the end of the story is happily ever after, right? And that's, it's bullshit. Sorry, Allison. I know I'm not supposed to swear, but it's... <laughs> This is not true. <laughs> um, so in that process, the identity that I needed to become successful, right? The identity at first, I, for a long time, I sort of like threw away my Christian heritage because I felt like it was either or. I could either be a Christian mom or I could be an entrepreneur. And I realized that that was completely false. And so I adopted the identity of becoming a marketer, of someone who would, would leverage the skills for financial security. And then I, had, I adopted the identity, I added to that. I'm also going to be the one who forms strategic alliances and gets the people in my corner that I need to grow because you can only grow as big as the investment you're willing to make in other relationships. So I had that. And then the third one, and the one that I'm working on right now today, the one that I haven't quite figured out very well, but I'm trying, is the identity that says you can make mistakes, forgive yourself, and try again. And that the most successful people are not the people who have a path that go like this, but are the people who allow failure and allow shame and the things that hit their lives that make them feel like, oh my gosh, if anybody knew this, I would just be, nobody would love me anymore. Who can take those things and turn them into the jet fuel that they need to get to the next level. That's where I am right now today, is learning how to forgive myself for all the things, all the mistakes I made along the way, feeling like, gosh, I'm such a train wreck. And like, who's ever going to trust me and believe me and all that kind of stuff. And that is the identity that I'm adopting now because more than anything else that you do in your business, more than the digital marketing skills, more than the alliance, if you cannot get a hold of your fear of failure and fail anyway, you will only go as far as your fear lets you go. And so I have started putting back the pieces of me that were me back then, the pieces of my Christian identity that I really love and cherish and want to be a part of me that can live simultaneously with all the other things that I've done. And so my hope for all of you listening is that no matter how many kids you have, no matter how broken your marriage is, or no matter how mental illness, debt, shameful stuff in your past that you feel like you can't overcome, that, that is, those things are not going to hold you back unless you let them hold you back. And it's a combination of forward thinking and also forgiveness for the things of what you can learn in the past. I hope that you can go home remembering 
that it's okay for you to do things out of order. I was busy learning the skills before I ever dealt with all the other stuff. That was okay, that was okay. So if you are the kind of person that needs to be really focusing on the skills, then lean into it. Lean into it, whether you're hiring people or learning them for yourselves, because all of you are gonna need digital marketing skills to grow your businesses. If you're the kind of person who's hidden in the closet and like doesn't like to reach out, doesn't like to ask for help, doesn't like to reach out to influencers on Instagram or, or doesn't like to find a new coach or, or feels like I'm not worth investing in those relationships, you can start there. Or for those of you who are just getting started and you feel like your life has disqualified you from being a million dollar business owner or you've got all this identity crap on you, that's not true, you can start there. But I'm like living, walking proof that you can do it. <sighs> so anyway, I uh, thank you guys for taking that journey with me. I was really nervous to share it because I was like, oh, this is gnarly. But I hope, I hope that humanizes the people that you look up to. I know Allison is like, one of the, you know, I, I don't know how many of you are on my email list, but I wrote an email the other day and I talked about how I felt like when I became friends with Allison that God had like bestowed his favor on me. <laughs> but even when in saying that, Allison has her skeletons. <laughs> we all do, right? And I think the faster we can just be like, here are my skeletons, here they are, this is me, this doesn't define me, but this is a part of who I am, it's a part of what makes me great, it's a part of what makes me human. The more comfortable we become with that, the more free we become to grow our business. So thank you very much, you guys. Now, my hope is that you absolutely got inspired from that presentation and got a little bit more clarity from Julie. So what I want to do is go over the top takeaways and just a shout out for Julie Stoyan. What an amazing voice she has. She's been able to help me to think in ways that I didn't even know existed. And I truly treasure our friendship over and over and over again and so grateful that, uh, our paths have crossed. So let's dive in to the top 10 takeaways. Number one, things you need to be successful don't have to really do with technology. You do not have to have techie skills to be successful. Number two, learn the skills of getting people to buy online and you never have to worry about your financial future again. Number three, learn how to write. The written word is the single most important piece of your brand. Number four, write about hooks, stories, and copy to make your business blow up. Number five, sales funnels are ways to get your customers to go in chronological order for you to be able to serve them so that they want to buy from you over and over again. Number six, traffic is people. Find the traffic of people whose problems you can solve. Number seven, in the depths of Julie's despair, she learned the keys to put in her pocket so that she can launch anything online that she ever wants to sell. Number eight, build strategic relationships with other business owners. Number nine, you have to have skills plus a network. And number 10, the identity that you can keep working on 
is that you are able, you are allowed to make mistakes and you can forgive yourself. I hope you love that podcast episode as much as I did listening to it the first time at the event and then the second and third and going on the fourth time of listening to Julie Stoyan. Have a beautiful, wonderful week and I will see you next week on Because I Can Life podcast. Oh, that was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to Because I Can podcast. If you haven't already downloaded the Because I Can bundle, then head over to allisonjprince.com forward slash bundle. The only place you can get access to your personalized bundle. So head over there now and download it. I look forward to you joining next time on the Because I Can podcast. We'll see you then.